Welcome to the Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. I'm Chris Mayer. 2,500 years ago, Sun Tzu said, The art of war is of vital importance to the state. It is a matter of life and death, a road to either safety or ruin. Hence, it is a subject which can on no account be neglected. In the next few podcasts, I'll explore the concept of war, what war is, and not just what it appears to be. I'll try to describe why understanding the nature of war is critical for making sound decisions about starting, fighting, and ending wars. So then, what is war, and why is understanding it important? Sun Tzu wrote for emperors and generals, but in a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, we the people have a shared responsibility in the governance of the state. To exercise that responsibility, every one of the people needs to have a fundamental understanding of something which is a matter of life and death for so many, maybe even their own lives or the lives of their children. Although we may study wars in our common education, the subject of war itself seems to be reserved for a select few. If we do not understand war, and if, as Clausewitz famously wrote, war is a continuation of policy with the addition of other means, then how can we know when, how, or if to use it as part of national policy? I think that most people would say that we know what war is and we don't need to be told. If pressed, they would likely agree with Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest, who said, War means fighting, and fighting means killing. In reality, it means more than that. Almost four centuries ago, in the first comprehensive work on international law, Hugo Grotius wrote, War is the condition of those contending by force. That seems to be a bit more than what General Forrest meant. It's more than just fighting. It's a condition, a state, which affects relations among states with different authorities and responsibilities than apply in conditions of peace. In fact, Grotius went on to say that the term war means more than using force, but also the existence of a legal condition in which rights are or may be prosecuted by force. Four centuries later, this concept remains true. The Department of Defense Law of War Manual says that war is a condition or a state that applies more broadly than only to the mere employment of force or the mere commission of acts of violence. War refers to a state's use of force to vindicate its rights under international law. Also, that the condition of war can exist prior to or subsequent to the use of force. For example, although Germany ceased combat operations against the Western Allies on November 11, 1918, the state of war between the United States and Germany lasted until July 2, 1923. In what seems to be an effort to remove clarity... The definition of war in the International Committee of the Red Cross Dictionary of the International Law of Armed Conflict is 150 words long. The meat of it says that war is, quote, armed hostilities between two or more states carried on by their armed forces and regulated by international law, unquote. But it also says that not all violent actions between states are wars. Further, war should not be confused with hostilities and not all armed conflict is war. So, legally speaking, war is the condition of those contending by force, but it may exist without any force being applied, and armed conflict and hostilities between states 
may not be war. As Alice said to Humpty Dumpty, that's a great deal to make one word mean. The DOD Law of War Manual admits as much, saying, there's no single definition of war, hostilities, or armed conflict, and the definition of these terms has varied in both domestic and international law. Nonetheless, it's important to know that there is a legal concept of war that affects relations between states. To me, however, as a simple cavalry officer, I come to the conclusion that in war, as in many practical things in life, a legal definition is not particularly helpful in understanding the real world, the real world where young men and women die. So again, what is war? There is one part of the Red Cross definition that seems to make sense, the part reading, quote, War is armed hostilities between two or more states carried on by their armed forces and regulated by international law, unquote. Although it describes what happens in war, that's not the same thing as telling us what war is. The Red Cross definition, although accurate, cannot help us to understand how and when to use war as an act of policy. That requires us to know the nature of war, not just its appearance. In philosophical terms, the substance rather than its accidents. That is, after all, what this podcast series is about, separating the substance of war, its unchanging nature, from its accidents or its appearances so we can better understand modern warfare. For the truth of warfare, we have to go back to the preeminent philosopher of war, Karl von Clausewitz. On the very first page of his work, On War, we read, War is an act of violence to compel the enemy to do our will. Simple, but with a lot to think about. The purpose of war is to get another to align his behavior in a way that supports our national interests. That requires us to know what those national interests are. It also requires us to be able to articulate what it is that we want that other party to do or to stop doing. Everything else is secondary to that. Anything else is a diversion. Without knowing those things, you will not know when or even how to end the war. The enemy, in Clausewitz's German, der Gegner, or opponent, who we are compelling can be another state or a non-state entity. Rather than persuading our opponent, we will use violence to coerce compliance. Later in the same chapter, Clausewitz makes that idea more clear, stating, quote, The objective is to create conditions so intolerable to the other side that they are willing to submit to our will rather than continue to resist, unquote. This requires us to have a reasonable estimation of what kind of conditions our opponent will consider so intolerable that they will give in to what we believe are very tolerable demands. Above all, war is an act of violence. It's not a chess game. People will die. Your opponent's people. Your people. Soldiers and civilians, too. Buildings and infrastructure will be destroyed, the means of industry and agriculture. People will be made homeless, unemployed, and will starve. We must be willing and able to apply the level of violence that will force our opponent to agree to our terms rather than to continue to suffer that violence. There are many today who believe that we can fight clean wars, wars that only target select elements of the opponent's military forces and infrastructure. 
Instead of just not deliberately targeting civilians, some believe that we have a moral obligation to rely on smart weapons to minimize violence and assure that no one but those selected military targets are harmed. They are wrong. Believe it or not, similar claims were made in Clausewitz's time. Professional, disciplined armies with self-contained logistics and improved accuracy of weaponry were supposed to make the widespread destruction in war obsolete. Clausewitz addressed that kind of thinking. Kind-hearted people, he wrote, might of course think that there is some ingenious way to disarm or defeat our enemy without too much bloodshed, and might imagine that this is the goal of the art of war. Pleasant as it sounds, it is a fallacy that must be exposed. War is such a dangerous business that the mistakes that come from kindness are the very worst. There are also those who believe that war requires some sort of threshold of violence or parity between opposing forces. My own war college small group instructor was in that camp. This is also unsupportable. Despite any disparity, war is still war. People die. Maybe not your people, but flesh and blood human beings nonetheless. Others will be made homeless, orphans, and widows. This violence is never an isolated act. The other elements of national power are always in play. It is the application of the destructive power, first to strip the opponent of the means to defend himself, and then to threaten the destruction of the opponent's own country that makes war what it is. The violence of war works in concert with the other elements to create conditions intolerable to the opposing side, while also working to convince the other side that it is better to give in to our demands than continue to resist. The real objective in any war is a better peace, and that cannot be achieved by violence alone. So then, what is war? To rephrase Clausewitz just a little, I believe that war is an act of violence in concert with the other elements of national power, creating conditions intolerable to our opponent, thereby compelling him to accept our terms for a lasting peace consistent with our national interests and values. This is the definition I will use in all future podcasts to show how modern war is only a chameleon, changing its colors with its environment, but never changing its nature. I want to end with a quote from Marine Corps Doctrinal Publication Number 1, Warfighting. War is among the greatest horrors known to humanity. It should never be romanticized. The means of war is force applied in the form of organized violence. It is through the use of violence, or a credible threat of violence, that we compel our enemy to do our will. Violence is an essential element of war and its immediate result is bloodshed, destruction, and suffering. While the magnitude of violence may vary with the object and means of war, the violent essence of war will never change. Any study of war that neglects this basic truth is misleading and incomplete. In the next podcast, I want to build from this idea and describe what I believe are the eternal rules of warfare.